So, hey, guys, we have Panda here. Uh, Panda is going to talk to us about consciousness. And I was talking, he's from Saudi Arabia, and I was talking to him before. We were just, like, chatting about it. And then I was like, we got to get this done. And so it's, like, midnight here. It's, like, 9.30 there. And uh, so I'm tired, and I don't know. He might not be ready, or he might be tired, too. Tired. But anyways, no, no problem. So, Panda, yeah, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, first of all? Sure. Um, I don't really have any academic qualifications. I'm just a recent high school graduate with an interest in philosophy, um, philosophy of mind in particular, consciousness, uh, and meditation. I'm currently pursuing a degree in psychology. All right, great. And what what college are you going to? Or are you going yet? University of Manchester, hopefully. Okay, that, so that's where you are going. Yeah. Okay. It's sorry, it's fine that I say that you're from Saudi Arabia, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, okay. Great. So yeah, so we were talking about so Panda is a moderator on the NDE subreddit. And then also the um, idealism subreddit. And so can you explain to us what NDEs are and also idealism? Uh, a near-death experience or an NDE is a trend that usually happens around cardiac arrest, a cessation of blood flow to the brain, and therefore a cessation of brain activity. Um, these experiences are interesting because they happen at a time where the brain activity uh, thought to be necessitated uh, for conscious experience does not exist. Uh, instead of a cessation of consciousness, what experiences report is, is a large expansion of consciousness. And uh, there are some interesting qualitative uh, similarities across cultures uh, of NDEs. So uh, studies have been done comparing Muslims in Iran and uh, American or Western NDEs. And they found they found them to be very very similar. It's very hard to tell them apart. Uh, hallucinations don't fit that bill. Hallucinations tend to uh, differ significantly uh, per individual, and hallucinations obviously are caused by the brain but NDEs don't seem to be correlated with any kind of brain activity, at least not any kind of brain activity associated with any kind of conscious or sensory experience. As for idealism, uh, idealism is a thesis that all of reality is in consciousness, not your consciousness alone, not my consciousness alone, but consciousness as a, as a type of stuff, as a category of existence. Uh, modern idealism is um, advocated for by uh, Dr. Bernardo Castro. He, he's the founder of uh, analytic idealism, which tries to fit idealism in a, a rational analytic context, moving it away from the realm of uh, pure intuition, spirituality, and woo-woo, and instead trying to compare it to uh, our best available empirical evidence and uh, our theoretical virtues like 
uh, internal consistency, uh, ontological parsimony or Occam's razor, uh, and coherence, and uh, so forth. Okay, and regarding the, the NDEs, I was going to ask you earlier, and it sounds like you said there has been some sci actual scientific research done about those, but as far as I know, and I we talked about the OA earlier too, and <laughs> after I watched it, I asked my friend if that kind of stuff is actually being done, and he's, he's like a doctor, and he said no. I mean, he might not know, but I mean, if if this kind of stuff is going on, these, these near death experiences and they're experiencing things after they die, why isn't there more focus on it or actual scientific research going on with it? So the stuff happening in the OA, in the OA does not happen in real life. Experimenters don't induce NDEs in such a way because that would be extremely unethical. It wouldn't pass an ethics board. But what does happen in our, observational studies done on patients in cardiac arrest. So they do study people who naturally suffer cardiac arrest and some of them report NDEs. And what's fascinating is that we can verify that some of these NDEs happened at a period where there is no brain activity because when blood flow uh, to the brain stops, electrical activity in the brain stops within 30 seconds maximum. So uh, there is no activity going on. And yet these people have uh, out of body experiences in which they see them see see themselves looking at their body from above and can report with astounding accuracy what's going on in their surrounding environment. They can uh, they can report what the doctors were saying or doing or what idiosyncratic things happened in the room just as they were having their moment of cardiac arrest and where all consciousness uh, under the materialistic model would have been thought to have ceased. Uh, sorry, what was your second question? Did you ask me another question? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, but oh, yeah, I, oh, well, I mean, yeah, you asked me, you asked me why, uh, people don't look into this stuff more seriously if we do have data. Oh, yes, um, yeah. For that, I, I just I just point to uh, Thomas Kuhn and his work on scientific paradigms. Uh, <clears throat> so, I mean, like uh, Mendel, for example, his work on genetics, it was it was uh, it was not acknowledged. It was made fun of during his lifetime. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure Boltzmann was the same. Uh, his his discoveries were also mocked within the scientific community and it's theorized that this led him to kill himself, even though he had valid valid data and everything he he presented made quite a bit of sense. Uh, science is more of a social and psychological institution than people would like to admit scientists are human beings. They're prone to all kinds of uh, cognitive biases, including confirmation bias, including the ten tendency to reinforce old paradigms, even in face of uh, contradicting data. In fact, the, the old paradigm may get stronger in, in response to 
contradictory data. This is called the backfiring effect, I believe. So yeah, scientists are human beings and we can't expect them to be infallible. And certainly looking at the history of science, they have not been infallible at all. I mean, uh, some of Galileo's fiercest opponents were scientists. It's not because Galileo had terrible data. It's because he was challenging a particular paradigm and uh, sometimes humans engage in motivated reasoning to preserve their old beliefs. Yeah, so is basically the idea is that like scientists don't really want to believe this stuff because it sounds like woo-woo. And so they kind of, they don't want to be made fun of if they look into it or whatever. So they just kind of say, oh, right. it's it's not real or whatever. But so, yeah, my question to you then would be, um, how do we, are we like positive these people are actually dead for one, two, could they be lying? And then three, <clears throat> um, is there a possibility that like, you know, after you die for, like, I think this happens like kind of like the same way, like an animal, like a lizard or whatever, will like cut off its tail and it'll regrow or whatever. Or like, I've heard stories of where like, I think actually in that show Dahmer recently, like the dad said, like an animal, you know, is dead or his brain is taken out, but like he can still like feel or something like that. Um, even though his brain's like literally out of his head. So my point is, is that, um, is there a possibility that like you can still experience something even after death for, you know, a short period of time, or like I said, they're lying or are, are do we know for sure that they actually are dead? You know what I mean? And not still living and just, you know, experiencing some sort of consciousness or something. Yeah. Um, well, in the aware study, for example, uh, the patient who had a verified OBE, he was, uh, he definitely was under cardiac arrest. I mean, they measured his vitals. His brainstem response was absent. Um, I believe he was showing signs of hypoxia, meaning lack of oxygen, oxygenation in the blood and, uh, uh, no heartbeat. So it was quite clear that the guy was dead and, and uh, there was even a study where uh, an EEG was hooked up to a, a woman who had a near-death experience. An EEG is something that measures brain activity. So there was no doubting whether her brain was active or not. Her brain had uh, flatlined uh, under something technically called burst suppression. It's the deepest kind of anesthetic state uh, there was no way she could be having any kind of conscious experience. None of her, none of the neural signatures of any conscious experience were present on the EEG, which was constantly monitoring her brainwaves. Uh, furthermore, the woman's eyes were taped shut, and her ears were molded with specially, uh, specially made speakers, uh, which were also earplugs. Um, so there was no way she could hear, no way she could see. And furthermore, by all accounts, her brain was flat. Uh, the, the woman I'm referring to is uh, Pamela Reynolds, um, famous near-death experiencer. Uh, nevertheless, 
she had a near-death experience where she reported floating out of her body and watching the doctors operating on her from above. And she could accurately recount a specific conversation uh, between the Dr. Spetzler and the, the lead surgeon and cardiac surgeon. Uh, he, she could also she could also um, uh, recount a specific neurosurgical tool, a very niche tool that was used to open her brain. Uh, she had an aneurysm that were they were op uh, operating on. Uh, and she could she could also recount what its storage case looked like, uh, even though it was a very uh, particular kind of storage case. So I, I find cases like these to be inexplicable under the materialist paradigm. So even if you say, oh, uh, actually the EEG was, uh, the anesthetic somehow didn't work and the EEG uh, was not picking up her brain activity. There was secret brain activity that the EEG just didn't pick up on. Then one, one would wonder, even if she did have an active brain, how could she see or hear? Her ears were plugged with loud ringing speakers and uh, her eyes were taped shut. There was no way she could see or hear anything. And yet she had these vertical perceptions. Yeah, so I guess that does explain the the lying thing and also the um the actually are dead thing what about the third one which is is there a possibility that um even after we die for a certain period of time there is still some consciousness left i guess you know what i mean but like you said i guess that you answered that with the brain signal right there is no brain signal yeah. at all so yeah. the hypothesis, okay. the hypothesis is uh, there is consciousness without the brain. Then that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and some don't. Some people actually believe that there is consciousness like outside of the brain, right? Like yeah, that, that's what uh, an idealist would believe. That they an idealist would think that consciousness is not a product of the brain. Rather, conscious, it's the other way around. The brain is a product of consciousness. Okay, yeah. So, it's, it's so in, in terms of that, it's kind of all about the brain then. Like, it's, um, right? Like, it's, it's, um, yeah, okay. It's, it's all about the brain in the sense that, like, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm having, I'm having a hard time. <laughs> explaining myself with this already but we okay so we so we already I, although there is a ton of stuff to talk about with the nde thing um we were kind of going more into the idealism and just overall physics before which i want to get into so as far as the idealism can you go into that a little bit more because i was having a hard time understanding it but basically what you were saying was that consciousness isn't in the brain Consciousness is not in everything, but everything is in consciousness, right? Like we are right now in consciousness. So it's not panpsychism where like the rock is conscious. It's more like the rock is just in consciousness, right? Is that the best way of explaining it? Yeah, 
Yeah, so a good analogy would be in your dreams. Uh, if you look at a chair in your dreams, it, it seems obvious to you that the chair is not conscious in of itself, but it also seems obvious to you that the chair is in your consciousness. So that's how the idealist would regard uh, the physical world. Uh, and uh, to explain the consistency and regularities of the physical world, uh, the, uh, the idealist would postulate something akin to a collective unconscious, uh, a, a, a larger mind, if you will, uh, of which we are immersed in. Uh, that, that does, regardless of what we wish or what we think about it. Uh, and uh, an analogy that Bernardo Castro uses uh, is the cases of uh, dissociative identity disorder, uh, formerly known as multiple personality disorder, in which one mind can seemingly split off to be many. Uh, one mind can contain a bunch of dissociated personalities within itself. And the fascinating thing is they did a study associative identity disorder and they found out they shared the same dream world, the same consistent dream world, but from different points of view. And what idealists would, are saying is that this is just what's happening right now, but on a much grander scale. All right, well, what was that last part? Sorry, I, I kind of missed that, like. Uh, so you've heard of multiple personality disorder, dissociative personality disorder, now it's called dissociative personality yeah, disorder. Yeah, yeah, just, just, just the very last part where you said, yeah, the, the end of it. Yeah, so they studied the dreams of people with dissociative identity disorder. These people with multiple personalities in one mind, their 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 multiple personalities manifest as characters in the dream, each with its own unique perspective, each with its own unique point of view. So all these characters share share the same dream world from different points of view, and all the points of view are experienced by the same uh, the same mind. Uh, and when, the, when these people are cured of their dissociation, they report that they, they realize that they were all just parts of one mind all along and how it was really obvious to them. Okay. Yeah, that's, it's kind of uh, hard. It's kind of hard to wrap my head around that, but yeah, okay. Well... Could you elaborate Wait. on? It's no, it's not even so much that it's difficult. It's it's just more that it's it's just it's just it's just kind of like a crazy idea, I guess. But as yeah. as far as the the um, have you ever, the collective have you ever, unconscious, have you ever experienced dissociation in your life? I mean, it's happened to me. Like 
sometimes I have thoughts that I'm not aware of or emotions that I'm not aware that I'm feeling and I kind of dissociate from them. I don't think I have, to be honest with you. Like, I, I have had, if you're talking about, like, intrusive thoughts or something that, like, I don't want to have, but, like, I'm aware that I'm having those thoughts. I only have ever completely disassociated to the point where, like, I don't know what's going on. I, I wouldn't even know what that would be like. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, so what I mean is, like, an emotion that you've been having, but uh, you didn't realize that you were having until it finally dawns on you that, oh God, I was having this emotion all along and I just didn't realize. Oh, like, 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 let's just say like I get angry for like two minutes and then afterwards people are like, oh wow, you were like really angry. And I'm like, oh, I was that type of thing. Like, yeah. That's, know. that's one example. Yeah. Yeah. But even in that situation, I still realized that I was angry, but in the moment I think that it was like, um, yeah. So that's, that's the same thing with uh, dissociative identity disorder. So in the moment, they did... Oh, sorry. Hey. hey. Hey, what's up? Hey. Yeah. So, hey, guys. Sorry. Um, Panda had to take a phone call, so we got disconnected, but we're back. So... We were we were talking about like disassociation, right? Um, you were talking about, you know, disassociating. Yeah, so dissociation <clears throat> can happen in mild forms, like uh, being angry and not noticing that you're being angry, or feeling f feeling a, a burden on your shoulder, a heaviness in your chest, and not noticing it. Dissociation can take extreme forms like dissociative identity disorder, uh, but there, it's essentially the same thing. When you have mental states that you're uh, isolated from, that you are not aware of, they're sort of fragmented from one another. They can't access one another. Uh, and Bernardo's idea is that we can explain why we have separate minds through a mechanism like dissociation, through a mechanism akin to dissociation. Mind can fragment itself in such ways we know this empirically. So all we have to do now is take the next step and say that uh, the best explanation for why we seem to be separate minds is that we are all dissociated from one another and that seems to be the simplest explanation and it doesn't incur into uh, the hard problem of consciousness uh, and it also doesn't incur to the many uh, empirical problems that materialism faces today like uh, uh, physics uh, certain lines of arguments and evolutionary uh, theory uh, NDEs, uh, and some certain neuroimaging experiments that seem to contradict materialism, such as spiritual experiences paradoxically correlate with reduced brain activity for some reason. That wouldn't make sense under, uh, under a model where experience is created by the brain, 
but it would make sense in a model in which the brain is the uh, outer appearance of dissociation. So if the, if the brain is just what what dissociation looks like, then a reduction in brain activity will mean a reduction in the dissociation and an expansion of consciousness, a reassociation into the broader uh, the broader uh, subjectivity uh, of nature. Okay, so like you mentioned the collective unconscious, and I've, you know, obviously heard that term before, and I kind of know what it is, but I think some people might view it as like, we're all kind of, you know, as a society or whatever, we're all kind of on the same page in terms of um, maybe, you know, culturally or whatever, everybody's into the same kind of things like music or style or whatever but then there's also a viewpoint that like the collective unconscious like we all are kind of essentially kind of like one organism right all thinking together right and that's kind of like what you're saying right is that that's what you kind of believe is that we're all like i'm not necessarily one self or whatever we're all kind of like one self basically is that what you believe? Well, it's the idealist position. I'm, I'm defending the idealist position. Uh, I don't, I don't really, I don't really attach myself to these positions, but I find them fascinating. And I think uh, doing philosophy is fun. I don't know if it's the ultimate truth. But I think uh, I think idealism is a much better model of reality, uh, scientifically and rationally, in comparison to materialism. There's more evidence for it, and uh, it seems to make more sense. It seems to be more coherent and consistent with what we know. Yeah, well, what's weird is I would say the opposite, probably. I would say what makes more sense to me would be that my brain is generating consciousness. And that's mainly just because we were kind of talking about this before, but it's like, I think that because I am, I have consciousness and I'm talking to you who has consciousness and or who is conscious, we're both conscious, but I don't necessarily think, and I know you also don't believe that like this cup or this desk is conscious, but I don't necessarily believe that it's all in consciousness and well, all kind I, of on the same page, mainly, mainly only because I know that I am conscious and I know that, or at least I think that you're conscious. I guess I can't really prove that you're conscious, but it sure seems like you're conscious. So why would I kind of assume any different than that? You know what I mean? Well, I'm not saying that I'm not, uh, I don't have experiences. Uh, I would invite you to consider the fact that it's not your direct experience that your body has consciousness. Your direct experience is that your your uh, body is in your consciousness. Your body is something that you're aware of, not the other way around. 
So in your direct experience right now, the body, the brain, all these concepts, all these sensory experiences are known by consciousness. They take place in consciousness. That's where we empirically start. That's the given. Okay. But do you see kind of like what I'm saying? It seems like, it sounds like to you, it seems more like it makes more sense that we are in consciousness, but I think to me, it makes more sense that I am conscious and uh, you well, know what I mean? What, what materialism would say is that everything you ever knew is entirely inside your head. Colors, uh, melodies, flavors, textures, love, hatred, um, human history, all of that is generated inside your brain. There is a real world out there. Isn't anything, anything like, like the world you know right now? It has no colors, it has no flavors. All of these are generated by your brain. The real world out there is completely abstract. It has no uh, solidity or concreteness. Those are supposedly generated inside of you. So it's materialism that is completely counterintuitive because it says that everything you've ever experienced in your head, and there is a real world out there, but the real world is abstract and unknowable. It's, it's transcendent, it's completely transcendent. Uh, I, I well, how do you know? Intuitive. How do you know that? It's transcendent because because it lies oh, no, no, independent. No. What? Sorry, how do you know that the the real world is? I mean, I know a guy, and I was going to ask you about this before, but a guy came out recently, and I don't think he's the first one who has said this, but he kind of seemed to get famous for it. He was on like Friedman and stuff, and he he basically said he had proved that what you just said that the real world. We don't, well, I don't even think he necessarily agrees with you oh, on well, that, wait, but... wait, wait, wait. I'm talking about materialism, what materialism says. I completely disagree with what materialism says. I'm just representing the viewpoint that consciousness is inside the body. So the idea that the brain creates... No, consci- I know. I know. I know what you're saying. You're saying yeah. that the the world outside, what we view, isn't like if I'm looking at something that's red, that's not red. That's, that's just what my... My brain yeah. is telling me, right? Materialism tells you that everything you ever knew is created inside your head. And there is a real world out there, but it's completely unknowable. What idealism is saying is the opposite. Idealism is saying that experience is what's real. Colors are real. Flavors are real. It's not in your head. Your head is in the world, not the other way around. So idealism is a very intuitive position, in my opinion. Oh, this is very confusing then. So what you're saying is is that so you're actually saying when I look at something that is red, it actually is red? Yes. I thought that I mean some guy just came out. Do you know who I'm talking about? The guy who was on like Friedman and he seemed to be kind of trending for a bit and he was saying how Donald Hoffman. Exactly, yeah. Donald Hoffman. So you don't you don't agree with him or you do? Um an idealist, an idealist will grant that it is read as such, but uh, there are two different aspects to an experience. So, 
um, an inner perspective and an outer perspective. And I idealists will argue that, okay, so when I have a thought, there is the inner perspective of having the thought, right? But there is also the outer perspective yes. of neurons firing in my brain. And the neurons firing in my brain are just what the thought looks like from an external perspective. So the neurons firing in my brain don't cause the thought. They're just what the thought looks like from an external perspective. It's the icon for the thoughts. What it's how evolution simplifies the thought, uh, as yes. Donald Hoffman would put it. Uh, but the experience of looking at a brain is absolutely real. It's just as valid as the experience of having a thought. What materialism would say is that the real world is not experiential at all. It has no vantage points. So everything you ever knew has been from a vantage point, from a certain experiential perspective. The real world has no vantage points. It's completely unconceivable, inconceivable to you. Uh, so th that world of materialism, I think, is completely transcendent and abstract. And that's why uh, I don't think it's necessary to postulate such a world. Uh, and uh, Professor Hoffman's findings and recent findings, not so recent findings in physics, seems to all but refute this idea. So I'm still kind of confused. Do you agree with Donald Hoffman or is he a materialist and you don't agree with him? No, he's not a materialist. He's an idealist. Oh, okay. So for one, I was going to ask you, well, first of all, when you said idealism is intuitive, I don't know if that's just more of like an Eastern thing, because I feel like in the West, materialism seems to be more intuitive. But then also, I haven't, well, I guess besides Donald Hoffman, I've listened to a good amount of people talk about this, and I, it doesn't seem like I've really ever heard any of them talk about idealism. I don't think that I ever really, uh, Donald it seems Hoffman. like most of them are, the most of the people that I listen to are like materialists, right? Or, or am I wrong about that? Most of well, like Donald, this Donald smart... Hoffman Donald Hoffman is an idealist, but he 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 labels himself as a conscious realist, which is basically the same thing. Conscious realism is the idea that uh, only consciousness exists. So it's the same thing. Um, most scientists in academia today are indeed materialists, yeah. Okay, so then I am correct about that, but Donald Hoffman isn't. See, I thought Donald Hoffman was a materialist in the sense that there is stuff out there, like there is physical objects out there, but we just but see them. An idealist wouldn't deny that there's stuff out there. Okay. It's just the, the idealist would say it's also of the same type. It's also mental. So, so the, your thoughts are out there in comparison to mine. I can't access your thoughts. They're out there. They're inaccessible to me. But your thoughts are also mental. They're, uh, they're of an experiential nature. So what an idealist would say is that, yes, indeed, there is a universe out there. But uh, the universe out there is also of a mental characteristic. It's also of a mental, mental nature. Just like your thoughts are out there, but they're also of a mental nature, so is the universe. The universe's uh, quote-unquote thoughts are out there but 
they are of a mental nature. All right. Yeah, that's still this whole idealism thing is very confusing to me. So there's there's materialism, idealism, but there's a, there's also the third one that everything is happening only inside our brain and there is no physical reality, right? And what which, what is that called? Uh, it's all inside of our brain and there is no physical reality. Uh, do you mean solipsism? I guess. I, I felt like... Or a brain in a Maybe. I don't know. I, I felt like that was like somewhat of, an, of a normal viewpoint on consciousness that everything that... There's really no physical thing there's nothing physical out there it's just all in our head which that's why i kind of brought up the whole simulation thing because i was like that that sounds like that could be a simulation like we're, we're really inside like a computer right, right. or something but our heads are physical so how could there be nothing physical out there and everything in our heads well by that i don't necessarily mean our head i mean everything is essentially every that would mean everything's kind of like I don't really want to. I, I, it's weird for me to use the word hallucination, but like everything is essentially in our uh, minds. In our yeah. mind, in our mind, yeah. That would be idealism. when I said head. Like that would be what idealism. That's idealism. No, but like you just said that there is physical reality out there. No, uh, there there is a mental reality out there. So your thoughts, your thoughts are out there, in comparison. Uh, to my vantage point right now, I can't access your thoughts, but your thoughts are mental. Your thoughts uh, are experienced. The physical physical reality is supposedly never experienced. Physical reality is outside of experience. Uh, and experience is just a model of physical reality, but we never actually get to uh, directly experience physical reality. What I'm saying is that there's only experience, but there is also experience out there beyond my own personal bubble of experience and what this experience looks like is what we call the physical world all right for some reason i'm having a really hard time grasping this but and then but but then i'm still kind of finding it hard to understand what the difference between idealism and materialism is because you both agree there is stuff out there but what you're saying is they you what you think that is out there is um of the same kind, uh, thoughts, uh, feelings, experiences. There, there are experiences out there. But like that, that like just saying that like doesn't make sense to me intuitively. That like when I'm looking at this desk, this desk is an experience. It's not. Well, not not the desk. Uh, <laughs> so the desk. So the boundaries between objects are arbitrary. Where does a desk? Uh, begin and the wall and like there is no proper way to carve the universe into parts well there, so is, there, have... there there is because i can see that there's a separation between the desk and the wall you know what i mean so it's like you i think that you might be able to say what it's it's air or it's like or it's yeah it's all made floating of, it's all made of the same stuff it's all made of the same quantum field and the quantum field is spatially unbound it has no uh, proper parts. So uh, the whole universe, I mean, we've known this for a century now in physics, the whole universe can be understood as only uh, one big system. So uh, an idealist wouldn't say that a, 
a cup has its own uh, experiences. An idealist would just say that the universe is like a giant uh, brain of sorts. It's like, uh, and, and when you zoom out, they've actually done studies on this now. When you zoom out and look at the universe from super structural scales, there is a very uncanny resemblance to a human brain. Uh, there is no, there is no physical, like no physics related explanation for how it could be structured in such a way. But they're not really, they're not really even able to get out and zoom out from the universe, right? I mean, how are they zooming out from the universe? Because the universe is everything, so. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was a metaphor. What I meant is that uh, they observe, um, they observe connections between galaxies that uh, look, yeah. look very much like a nervous system. And then they model uh, those connections and they find that they found that it looks very much like a brain and they can't explain why. Uh, and uh, physicists have even said that the universe behaves like a brain. It behaves like a learning neural network. And there is no explanation for that. Uh, under idealism, this is completely expected. If the brain is just what your inner mental states look like, and the universe is the outer appearance of mental states, then uh, obviously the universe would look like a brain. And for some reason, it does. Well, that seems like a weird connection that because it it doesn't seem like the look of it would be similar to our brain unless somebody like literally like designed it that way. It seems like it would maybe work like our brain. I understand that, but like the actual no, I mean like the structure, the structure between connections. It's very much similar. Uh, there was a study done by an astrophysicist and a neuroscientist, uh, I think, or a neurosurgeon. Uh, evaluating the structure of connections between the human brain and the universe, and they they found uh, they found similarities. That in their own paper, they explain uh, they say that they cannot explain. Okay, and you mentioned solipsism, which is, I think that you were saying that it, it's where everything is literally inside your mind, right? Yeah, just your mind alone. The, the entire universe is your own personal dream and nobody else has any kind of experience. That's solipsism. Is that is that also kind of like a um a normally viewed no um, belief? No. So the only two beliefs are idealism and No. Mo there are uh, several uh well, Sorry, not the only two, but the main two are, are materialism and idealism. No, idealism, idealism is quite out of fashion. Uh, there are, like, I guess maybe three mainstream views. Uh, that's materialism, panpsychism, which seems to be more popular than idealism, and uh, substance dualism, which is the idea that the physical and the mental are two uh, distinct kinds of things and they somehow uh, interact maybe in the pineal gland or something as Descartes uh, would have said and, wait sorry uh, explain explain that again to me I, I, that is that all this stuff is weird to me but what was that one yeah. again yeah substance dualism it's 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 what most people uh, believe um, there is a body 
and then there is a soul, and the soul is different from the body, and they interact somehow. Uh, it, it was uh, it was popularized by Descartes. And what what does the soul kind of even mean? Is that like in a religious context, or is that um... the soul just means mental stuff like uh, thoughts, like fe feelings? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so the idea, the idea is that physical stuff is so radically different from mental stuff. Uh, I mean, looking at my visual cortex firing, it won't tell you anything about the color red. If you just looked at my brain firing while I'm experiencing the color red, you wouldn't be able to tell that I'm experiencing the color red. A bunch of neurons firing in the color red seem so different from one another. So the substance dualist would say that they are uh, uh, ontologically distinct. They are uh, completely different kinds of things. The the brain and the soul. So the so there's the soul that like I guess what you're saying is like sees red, and then there's the brain that doesn't see red. Yeah, the brain. Right? is like a vehicle for the soul that's the idea okay and then what's the deal what's the deal with the uh, the pineal gland like why is it, that that was hypothesized to be the place where the soul and the brain interact okay and is there any explanation for why um we do feel the feelings and all that kind of stuff is that almost like a like a creator type thing or like the creator like so that's a, you know that's an irreducible proponent of nature uh like experiences for a substance dualist and experience experiences are irreducible to matter they can't be explained in terms of the brain they exist separately from the brain but no i know that but i okay God. I'm just wondering if the soul has anything to do with like a religious thing in terms of like like the like a creator created us and you know like like what religions believe like the soul leaves the body when we die. And uh, most most early religions were uh, idealists. I mean, even early Christians and Muslims, I think, were idealists, uh, but. But after the Enlightenment, uh, religious people do tend to be substance dualists, yes. But you don't have to be religious to be a substance dualist. I know, I know people who are substance dualists who aren't religious. So why has why has idealism, why has materialism become more popular than idealism? Do you think you you just said the uh, did you say the the transformation or the um... What was the word you used? Sorry, um, I should know this word, but the uh, the enlight. Sorry, sorry. The no, no, the enlightenment. The enlight um, is the is the enlightenment the thing that kind of made us think that the world was physical? Yes. Um, uh, so the fathers of the enlightenment came up with materialism as a way to evade the church because uh, they needed to establish separation between 
science and the church. The church kept prying into their business and they needed to figure out a way out of this. So they came up with this notion that there is this thing called matter that is outside of any experience. Uh, and uh, science just studies this thing called matter. So, and the church studies The church thought, but all, all we have is mind, so what are these guys studying? Uh, good luck. And uh, uh, so the church didn't care all that much with, uh, about what, what happened with uh, the scientific community. Uh, but even the father... Did they really he, believe it? or were, no, Did they, they really even, believe it, or were they just saying it just to like throw off the church? No, even the fathers of the Enlightenment wrote uh, explicitly... Uh, I think his name is Denis Diderot. He wrote in the La Encyclopedia. Uh, sorry, I butchered that. Um, uh, the materialism was a was an against the church, but it doesn't really work. He wrote that explicitly. Wow. I, I don't know how I don't know any of this, but it seems like, why is it so weird to me to think that even way back then they were, they were, they were thinking that it was just everything was in the mind as opposed to like, because I don't know why we're disagreeing with this. Maybe it is because you're in the East and I'm in the West, but like when I see this desk, no, I was, I was raised I, with I, I don't knock on it, but I mean, when I see this desk, I don't think, Oh, this is, consciousness i think that it's really here i mean it's like this is even if it's made of of particles i still believe that it's like a solid thing and you know what i mean um yeah. how do they know way back then that 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 wasn't the case that like everything is look, like you look, said look, like a look, made look. of matter or whatever solidity is an experience i mean Color is an experience. Touching a table and feeling its conclusion. would say that the table is not solid. It's not. It doesn't have any color. It's like this completely abstract thing. When when you're not looking at it, when you do look at it, it's, uh, your nervous system creates the feeling of solidity and creates color and creates all of that. But materialism would say that everything you look at uh, look at. It's not solid. It's not. It's not anything you intuit. It's like this completely abstract mathematical thing that can only be described in math. So it's. Uh, so I, I I totally understand why they thought that the world was experiential because all they had was experience. All they had was the solidity of a table, the concreteness of a rock. They didn't think. Oh, the solidity of the table is actually inside my head. Now, the problem with materialism is that it tells you that the the felt physical world around you is just inside your head, and what's really out there is just something that's um, uh, totally unrelatable to you. Oh man, this is for some reason. This is I, I feel like it shouldn't be blowing my mind, but it is because. It seems like from like a religious perspective, and you're saying, you know, way back then these people were religious and everything. I would kind of just in in um believe that like God created this 
he didn't create the desk, but he created the materials to build the desk or whatever. I wouldn't like. How do they even know about that? All the particles were all kind of really just made up of the same material back then. I mean, I'm talking. I'm talking a long, uh, long time ago. I don't know how far back you're going, but I'm talking almost like, um, like what's his name? Um, the philosopher from way back when. Um, the most famous philosopher, like, what's his name? Um, Descartes. No, like way back when, like um, what? Plato, like Plato, one of those guys. Like, do they, do they, do they know about all this stuff? Oh, they, they, they were, they were all idealists, yes. Uh, as far as I know, oh, this Plato is so weird to me. So they, they believe like you that everything is in. That's the only way that I can say is in consciousness, like. Yeah, I don't even I don't even I still am not fully understanding it, but we should probably move on because I, I just sound dumb or whatever. But so I, I've heard before, too, that like and these are like questions I've had. I, I've heard people say this, but like that everything is like in the universe is math. You know, what I mean, and it's like, what what do they mean by that? Uh, yeah, so. Uh, under under materialism or physicalism, <clears throat> everything that really exists can be described within the language of physics. And physics is completely mathematical. It's quantitative. It's not qualitative. So really, all of reality is just uh, in terms of math. Meaning, if you have a long enough list of equations, you'll have said everything there is to say about reality. The absurd implication of this is that uh, if you give me a long enough equation, you could tell me what it feels like to taste vanilla or uh, to listen uh, to Eric Satie or, uh, or to taste an orange. But obviously, I mean, at least to me, it seems very obvious that an equation will not tell you what it feels like to undergo a certain experience. Why would reading reading a bunch of numbers explain what it feels like to undergo an experience? That sounds absurd. So, it can't, right? Uh, yeah. So that's materialism. That's uh, the idea that everything is exhaustively describable in terms of uh, physics. And I think it's a really absurd worldview. And the only reason most people hold it is that, well, I don't. I, I don't want to sound like a condescending dick, but I think most people just haven't thought it through. And that goes for even the like really smart physicists and stuff too. Oh, physicists are physicists. They're not uh, philosophers. So yeah, they can have a lot of weak spots when it comes to philosophy. What about like Sean? Someone, someone like Sean Carroll? Is he a materialist or an idealist? He's a, he's a materialist, and I think uh, I think he's absolutely awful at philosophy. I mean, I've read his paper published on a philosophy journal, which was really bad. But what I about think physics? I'm sure he's a great physicist. Yeah. So one so one thing going into his stuff, his multiple worlds theory. Um, this is one thing that I wanted to ask because I, whenever he describes his multiple worlds theory, even on Joe Rogan, like, you know, the simplest of 
minds no no i I, not joe rogan but i mean you know the people listening to joe rogan and joe rogan um you know he he explained kind of like kind of like what you mentioned earlier like when they're looking at something it like how does it work like quantum physics like they're looking at something that like turns away when they look at it Uh, or whatever you know what i'm talking about Sean, sean carroll does not believe that uh, so the prima facie results of quantum mechanics are the following. Uh, when something is not, uh, when a quantum object is not observed, it exists in something called a superposition. So its states can be described in probabilistic terms. Like uh, there is a 50% chance that its position is A, and there's a 50% chance that its position is B. It has no it has no actual position until you measure. There's a 50% chance that its position will be A after you measure, or a 50% chance that its position will be B. <clears throat> what does that mean? Sorry, I'm going to have to like cut you off a lot here. What does that mean, the position? Like, position, like turn... the location. So like when it moves, does it move to one location or another? Or, or, or... There is no location. So there is no object, like... Because without a position, there is no object. So uh, before a measurement, there is no object. There is only scientists can only guess at where where they might find an object after measurement. And uh, by an by an object, sorry, like I, I said, I have to cut you off a lot. Um, by an object, do you mean like an atom? Yeah, like a, a subatomic particle. And is and everything is boiled down to these subatomic particles, right? No, um, in modern physics, uh, there is a quantum field theory, uh, which is the idea that there aren't really particles, there's just quantum fields. And particles are like little uh, ripplings of that field. They're like little bubbles on the field. But there is only the field. Um, It's like... uh, it's like waves in the ocean. There is only the ocean, but the ocean has many different waves, many different dynamics. And all these waves are with the ocean moving. And could these fields kind of be maybe more understood, understandably explained as um, like kind of like electronic impulses or something? Like um, not electronic impulses, but kind of like yeah, kind of like how when when we see light, right? It's kind of like an electronic ray coming towards uh, our eyes, right? Is that kind of like what it is? Uh, well, there's the electromagnetic field, but uh, light is an excitation of that field. So light is something that the field does, not what the field is. <laughs> so we have no idea what the field actually is. Oh man. Okay. Okay. Um, so yeah, going back to the quantum physics thing. Oh no, no problem. Like you, I asked all the questions. Um, so when they're looking at these particles, these subatomic particles, atoms, and then there are things smaller than atoms, right? By the way, I'm not a physicist. No, I know, but you seem to know more than me. So, or at least be able to explain this to me. There are things smaller than 
um atoms right and they're like aren't they called like quasars or something or like what is it like um quarks and so quarks make up atoms but anyways like when they're look when like a physicist takes out a um what do they call those as um a scope um measurement <laughs> well yeah it would be well don't they look through the the uh, microscope to look at the atoms or no uh no no atoms are never observed directly well then how would they how would they observe them then they're not really observed they're just uh <laughs> that's, that's the thing uh, so atoms, atoms don't really exist in our current model of physics. Atoms are just a convenient fiction, a theoretical tool uh, for an excitation of a field. So there's only the field. There are no atoms, really. Whoa. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. So, but anyways, when they bring out their tool, which you like a detector or whatever. Yeah. That they're trying to look at an atom and they look through, they look at it. There's a 50% chance that it's going to be in one spot and there's a 50% chance it'll be another spot, right? No, uh, so uh, so uh, prior to measurement, it has no properties. After measurement, uh, you can predict where it will be after measurement, but Prior to measurement, there's no real sense in which it even exists. Well, what do you mean by measurement? What are the how 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 are they measuring it then? Uh, with a detector. But like, what does that mean? Like, how are they detecting something that doesn't even exist? You know what I mean? So the idea is that the measurement apparatus. Uh, 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 somehow influences the wave function into collapsing, and this produces a defined actual atom, uh, a subatomic particle, I mean. <clears throat> but the thing is, that's not really an explanation, because then one could always ask, okay, so if the detect... Uh, wait, are you following me so far? Yeah, yeah, I am. Okay, so uh, one could always ask uh, if if the detector uh, causes collapse, so the thing didn't exist prior to the detector causing collapse through interference with the wave function, then why isn't why isn't the detector in a wave function? Why in a superposition? Why isn't the detector also undefined? And then you could say, well, it's actually another detector that collapses this detector. And then there's an infinite chain of detectors, which is obviously unreasonable. So the idea of detectors causing measurement makes no sense. This, is, this problem is called the von Neumann chain in physics. Uh, so the idea of detectors causing the collapse of the wave function makes no sense for that reason, which leaves, which leaves a few a few other explanations. One explanation is the hidden variables model, 
So there are things that we just can't see that, uh, that are real and have a defined state prior to measurement. It's just that we can't observe them. But the hidden variables theories have been refuted. You might have noticed uh, physicists have acquired a Nobel Prize recently for experiments done on hidden variables. Have you come across that recently? Are you asking me? Yeah. Oh, um, I, um, I, I don't, th I don't think I've heard about that. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Anton Zeilinger and a few other physicists got, I think Alan Aspects as well, got the Nobel Prize for uh, refuting hidden variables. <clears throat> so the thing that remains for uh, materialists or physicalists. Uh, is the notion of the many worlds interpretation. So it's actually the wave function is real and every conceivable possibility in the superposition actually exists in a separate, uh, separate parallel universe that we can't detect. Uh, to me, this is just, just as good as fairies and goblins. I mean, talking about invisible parallel universes that we can't detect popping into existence every fraction of a nanosecond infinite universes popping into yeah. existence a fraction of a nanosecond I, I think it sounds completely insane and we have zero empirical data suggested uh, well I that's that's what i that's what i thought when sean curl brought that up i said i thought it just sounded crazy but then i'm like Obviously, I just don't know enough to know what he's talking about. But and when he when he says parallel universes, he literally means parallel universes, right? Like, well, te technically, what what they like to say is that they're parallel worlds, not universes, because it all exists within the same universal wave function. It's just a technicality, but yeah, parallel. Well, what's the difference between a parallel world and a parallel universe? Like, what's the difference between a world? It's just a rhetorical move, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think that somebody like Sean Carroll, the reason why he, there, there's like a reason why he believes it, like he doesn't want to believe the other thing, which is what you believe, yeah. right? He doesn't. He doesn't want to admit that physical realism is dead. Uh, physical realism is the idea that physical objects have properties uh, independent of how you measure them. Uh, and I don't think Sean Carroll wants to give up on that just yet. So he's going on about the many worlds interpretation and infinite parallel worlds. Uh, good luck with that. I think. I think this is as good as the. Ptolemaic epicycles, like uh, when 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 the old geocentric model was thrown out. Uh, yeah, yeah. But the main question I had, and it, it's I, I mean I I just already know I I don't know much about this, but when Sean Carroll went on Joe Rogan and he was explaining it, the main question that I had was was um. 
when they're looking at, and I know like there's all like technicalities of this, but like they're not really looking at an atom, but like when they're looking at the atom or whatever, the particle, I guess, the subatomic particle or whatever, and they're saying that when they look at it, it it moves, but when they when they're not looking at it, I, I forgot exactly what it was, but something like really threw me off. Like what is I I didn't really understand like what that even like meant. Kind of you know what I mean? It's like, um. It was all really confusing to me, and I was hoping you'd be able. You did explain the whole thing to me, but that one little thing was just like it just didn't really seem to make sense to me. You know what I mean? And how he was explaining it, and maybe you agree, but you just said that what he was saying. Maybe maybe a good metaphor would be a virtual reality video game. So when you look around in an environment in virtual reality, uh, and you see a table. Uh, it isn't. It isn't there when you don't look. There is no virtual table when you don't look. The virtual yes. table is instantaneously created and instantaneously scrapped away when you look away. And that's the same. That's that appears to be the same thing that's going on in real life. If we uh, follow the data, like not only quantum mechanics are suggesting this, but there's also uh, Professor Donald Hoffman's findings. He's proven mathematically that evolution must entail that our perceptions are created on the fly, uh, similar to a virtual reality video game. And there's even another argument from Professor Paul Friston, which basically concludes the same thing, but from a totally different line of argument uh, from entropy. Uh, so the science, science seems to be heading to, towards a pretty clear direction here. Yeah, so I think I think you you kind of you kind of addressed what I was confused about. So like when they're like you said in a virtual, that's the easiest way to explain it. Really, is in a virtual reality game, you look at something, or sorry, you you look at something and it's there, but then when you turn, it's not there. How do they know that it's not there when if they're not looking at it? You know what I mean? Like, don't you have to be looking at at it to know that it's there or not? Right? Do you see uh... what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not very technically acquainted with the experiments, but my understanding is that, uh, the effects, the effects that you would expect, uh, when an observer is in place don't occur when an observer is not in place like in the double slit experiment for example when you don't when you don't place a detector right next to uh right next to the uh, to the electrons they don't they're not electrons but when you place a detector right next to the electrons well they behave like electrons well how would the electron even know that the detector is there or not it's not that the electron knows that uh, somehow observation, the act of observing creates the electron. Okay, so yeah, I think the easiest way to explain it is, and it's a very, very good way to explain it, is the virtual reality game. So that kind of leads to the simulation theory idea, right? Like, like do you believe, this is kind of a stupid question, but at the same time valid, I think, do you believe that, like, you know, the old saying, if a tree falls in the forest and you didn't see it, like, did it really fall? Do you believe 
Well, let, that... let me just let me just. I don't see why it would validate simulation theory and not just the idea that physical realism isn't true. Uh, well, no, I'm not. I'm not trying to. Sorry, I'm not trying to say that. Like, I think simulation it validates it in the sense that I think it's for sure real. I'm just oh. saying that if if that's what's really going on, then that sounds like we're in a video game. And I don't. Once again, I don't necessarily feel like I'm in a video game, but right. If if what they're saying and what they're saying is true, right? Like they're not making that up. Like. When we look at something, it's there. And when we don't look at something, it's not there, is what they're saying, right? Well, that's my own interpretation of the experiments. But some physicists will disagree with me and say, no, it's actually the detector that causes uh, wave function collapse. But then the von but that's Neumann... what I, that's what I was saying with the whole how does the electron know? Not like literally how does it know, but it's like how does it – why would it change – based on whether the detector's there or not. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, yeah, it's called the decoherence. The idea is that uh, uh, interaction with a classical object causes the quantum wave function to, uh, to lose its uh, information. Its information sort of dilutes into the surrounding environment and uh, becomes defined. But the problem with decoherence <clears throat> Is that it doesn't explain how the detector has a defined has defined properties in the first place. So it leads, yeah. to, an, it leads to an infinite regress. Uh, so that, that so basically, yeah. Sorry, doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. So basically, you're saying like what you were kind of saying earlier was that like if the detector is supposedly there making its detection, how do we? Yeah, how do we explain the detector itself when? Right. I guess it shouldn't be there, right? Or right? If that makes yeah. sense. If, yeah. the, if the detector also follows the rules of quantum theory, everything in the universe is quantum mechanical. We know that. So the detector follows the rules of quantum theory. Uh, so we should also explain why the detector uh, has defined properties, uh, and that the decoherence explanation alone does not work. That's why Sean Carroll talks about infinite parallel universes. He kind of has to make that up yes. in order to explain away. But that that in itself to me doesn't make sense. But obviously, I'm not a physicist. I'm not Sean Carroll. And like, what about like somebody like you know who Brian Green is? I think his name is Brian Green. He was also on Joe Rogan. Um, uh, I think I've heard of him, but not quite sure. And then like, or like Brian Cox. Yeah, Brian. Co I know who Brian Cox is. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at Brian Green. Um, yeah, he's also a no. That's um. Sorry, I just want to make sure that's his name. Yeah, maybe it's not Brian Green. I'll have to look that up. But, yeah, Brian. Um, it's Brian. No, oh, well, no, but there also is a Brian Green, and he's an American theor theoretical physicist too. Oh. Um, but anyways, it doesn't really matter him. But most of those guys, do they agree with Sean Carroll? Like Brian Cox, Brian Green, um. There's the other guy who fuck, who came up with the um, who was also on Joe Rogan who came up with the uh, the really weird one that I just don't understand at all. I'm totally blanking on that one too. It's um, Roger, Roger Penrose. What'd you say? Roger Penrose. No. Um, fuck. 
it's like a really weird uh, i can't even think of what it is it's a really weird version of yeah i think it's his own theory of um fuck i'm forgetting but anyways so most of the other ones um do they also agree with sean carroll like brian cox no, and- no. The, the many worlds interpretation is a minority position in physics today i think oh, most yeah. physicists will just say well uh we don't know everything about nature it might look like quantum mechanics is not a physically realist theory but one day we'll find a better theory and save physical realism somehow i think that's most of uh that's the majority position today so they don't know what's going on but they they still hold to physical realism and was physical realism maybe the the thing that i was trying to think of back when i was saying what's the other one could it have been physical realism or is that not even involved with consciousness no physical realism physical realism is just the idea that physical objects have defined properties irrespective of how you measure them so they have defined properties uh regardless of observation so 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 like this it's materialism so like this desk is a sense that's basically stating that this desk when i look at it is really shaped the way that i see it yeah okay and then um Uh, when you look away it, it maintains its shape that, that's the idea of physical realism. Oh, okay. And Sean Carroll believes that. Yeah, Sean Carroll was a physical realist, yes. To be honest with you, I would believe that. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, to me, it's intuitive to believe. Like, if I, I'm looking at the desk right now, if I look away from the desk, I believe that that desk still is the same. It's still there. It's still the exact same mm-hmm. as when I look at it. Yeah, but are, are you willing to are you willing to postulate infinite universes to preserve the dust? <laughs> I mean, if we want to believe, if I want to believe in my reality, then I almost have, and that's probably why Sean Carroll believes it, right? If you want to believe that what you have believed your whole life, or at least I have, you haven't, is real that I have to somehow believe. And obviously I'm not going to say that I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm not going to like believe what's not true, but who knows what is true. You know what I mean? But um, I'm going to believe that this, I'm not in some sort of weird fucking video game. I'm going to believe that I think this it is sounds here. More like a dream. What's that? I think it sounds more like a dream than a video game. Yeah. And if you think about it, that's kind of scary to think that we're living in like a dream. Right. I mean, Isn't that kind of scary to you? Because it's like things sudden, like in your dream, everything's just, it's just chaos. Everything's just unknown. And like, I think you want to believe that like in real life, everything is where it should be and how it should be and how it looks. It's not literally a dream. I mean, it can be analogized to a dream, but it's obviously different than a dream. It has consistency. It's predictable. So, if you if you want to call it a dream, then it's a very different kind of dream. 
Yeah. So there are a couple other things I wanted to go down. Um, well, one real quick is I do you know who like uh, what, I think his name is John Ver Ver Verveke. Oh, yeah, John yeah, Ver I like him. Yeah, yeah. So he was he went on Lex Friedman recently. I listened to it. Didn't understand most of it, along with most of the stuff that Jordan Peterson says and Sam Harris. Nobody, but, um, nobody understands what Jordan Peterson says. Yeah, so that okay. I was like, maybe I'm just not smart enough to understand what he's saying. But why is he? Why does he talk like this? I don't know. But with John Verveke, when he was on Lex Friedman, they kind of started talking about Donald Hoffman, and John Verveke started to disprove Donald Hoffman by saying something along the lines of Donald Hoffman believes in evolution, but he can't, right? Because evolution wouldn't be real if he believes what he believes, right? It's something along those lines. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, yeah. So the theory of evolution, uh, mathematically speaking, <laughs> this this might sound, uh, sound funny, but mathematically... Sorry to cut you off, but I'm so glad you know what I'm talking about, because if you didn't, I would just be, like, asking you questions and just be lost, because I don't understand them. But anyways, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Go ahead. Mathematically speaking, evolution does not actually require space or time. So Why not? <laughs> just doesn't. It's not in the math. You can explain <laughs> everything in evolution without appealing to space or time. Uh, so, uh, it's, uh, Merveke's argument does not does not really uh, touch Donald's findings because Donald's findings are purely mathematical. What do you mean by that? Like, so you're saying that John Verveke is wrong about that, or no? Well, I'm, look, I'm not a, I'm not a uh, evolutionary biologist, so I can't with confidence say he's wrong. I, I just, I just read uh, Donald's book, and he addresses this objection. He explains that uh, evolution is just uh, is not in space and time, so. The idea that we must have space and time in order for evolution to uh, take place is uh, is a fallacy. I mean, uh, to remember the analogy of the cat and the head and the tail. What analogy was that? Oh, that you gave me. Yeah, it's yeah, from that yeah. Um, so, yeah, just so just think of evolution like that. Evolution is one giant thing that all exists at once and and our perception of it uh, seems to take place over time but that's only because our perception is limited but i mean can't you just say that about everything like nothing takes place over time because there is no time right yeah is yeah. kind of like what you were saying before yeah yeah, and so as far as evolution goes, um, oh man, and I know you're not like a evolutionary biologist, but either I don't think either of those guys are evolutionary biologists, right? Or is Donald Hoffman? Because I know John Berberke is like some sort of psychologist, like a I think is he an evolutionary psychologist or like some right? Uh, no, he has not the, no credentials in evolution, as far as I know. Yeah, so is Donald Hoffman an evolutionary biologist then? Or uh, I I don't really remember. Okay, it doesn't it doesn't matter. But um 
Yeah, what was I going to say? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, so as far as evolution goes... Um, he certainly knows a lot more uh, about evolution than I do. Who does? Donald Hoffman? Yeah. Yeah. So as far as evolution goes, you said that... It, that um, I think you you said that we've kind of like explained evolution um, in terms of, or we've kind of, um, we know, I think, didn't you say something like we've, um, what do you call it, mastered it or whatever, like we know everything about it. Do you really think that we know everything about evolution or do you think that we kind of, a lot of the scientists are just saying, oh, we know what well, happened, oh, I, but I we don't, really don't. I don't think we know everything about evolution. Yeah. But scientists, some scientists will say we do, right? Like I've heard people say evolution has been proven, but that's not true necessarily, right? Oh, I don't think any scientific theory has been proven per se, no. Oh, by proven, like we kind of went over this before. It hasn't been proven, but like you can't prove anything, but you can disprove something, right? I think there's good evidence for evolution. Yeah, so... Do you believe in evolution over um, religion? I don't know, know how much you want to get into religion, but I guess do you believe that there is? Do you believe in that there is a creator or or not? Uh, I would, I would say so, um, but I don't think it's an anthropomorphic kind of creator. I think people like to anthropomorphize God way too much uh it's certainly ineffable uh beyond our human conceptions um and i don't, don't think you think that sorry I, I don't think evolution is in any way uh, incompatible with there being an intelligence behind the universe so you think it could be both yeah of course Okay. And the last guy that I talked to, well, first of all, do you think that even talking about that? Well, obviously for my, for my, for me, it is, I think, but do you think that even talking about God and what God is and whether it is anthro, what's the word? Anthro, <laughs> um, anthropomorphic. what is that word? An anthropomorphic meaning that it's like a being, right? Like it's like us kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Do you think that even talking about that in a sense is just woo woo? Because it's like we – I don't even really want to go and say we can't explain it. It's more just – well, we can't explain it. But it's like we any, – anything that I say about what I think God is is just probably total yeah. bullshit. Like so – Yeah. I, I think human concepts will totally and utterly fail at capturing what God is. So is it the type of thing that you think that – maybe we shouldn't even discuss uh, kind of or um well you can discuss it or you can't discuss it uh, uh there there is a zen koan that says um speech is slander but silence is deception what okay what what do you mean by that uh, don't ask me. It's a Zen koan. <laughs> well, that's kind of like saying both are bad, right? Or good. 
<laughs> if slander and deception are good. Maybe. Yeah. Um All right. Um so Yeah, but so the last guy I was talking to, he like I he um I had a really good he was he I had a really good conversation with him and he wrote a book called Consciousness in a Nutshell. Uh, I, I'd be curious to see what you think of what he was saying. It was more I think what you're saying is definitely more technical. I think he um, dumbed it down better for people like me. But um, he was kind of saying if there is a creator, which I think he believed there was one, he was kind of saying that he believes that like that that whole theory that like everything is God type thing. Do you kind of like buy into that? Like he was saying if, if God is infinite and God is everything, then that means that we are God. You yeah. know what I'm talking about? Is, do, do you believe that? Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think everything is uh, everything is part of God. I, I do. I just subscribe to that kind of thought. I mean, I think it's... it's I think it's stated, kind of like woo-woo type thinking. Stated, but... uh, stated quite plainly in all the world's religions, I think. Um, stated quite plainly in what? In all the world's religions, I think. Uh, so, and... The Bible. Is it though? Does does the yeah the Bible, for example, talks about how the kingdom of heaven is within you, uh, and uh, the Holy Spirit uh, descends uh, descended onto man, and uh, in the Gospel of Th- uh, Thomas, uh, Jesus uh, uh, says, or God says uh, that uh, you will find me when you lift a rock. You will find me when you. Uh, chop wood, something, something like that. So, that seems, that seems to indicate something. But I mean, do you? I don't know how much, like, yeah, just don't. Yeah, I don't know how much in the religion you want to get. But, um, do you do you believe that the you know the Bible um, was written by people who knew? you know what was I, really going on or... i think i think a lot of it was fabricated and i think a lot of it is uh i, I think some of it is uh contains genuine insights and do you think the genuine insights kind of like ha- has to do more with kind of like i guess philosophy and a way to live as opposed to like the reality of no nature? i think yeah, I'm, I'm i think we're, uh, i mean the reality of nature Okay. Um, oh, so you really do think that whoever wrote it kind of somehow knew, knows the re- knew the reality of nature when they wrote it? Yes, and I think I think the truth the truth is easily accessible. I mean, different cultures, I believe, they all speak about the same thing because I think it's quite easy to stumble upon this realization that there is a infinite intelligence behind this all and uh, most religions describe it as infinitely loving and ndes also describe it in the same sense but i mean what what does that what does that mean because i I don't know if i would necessarily say that the universe is infinitely loving because there's a lot of bad stuff that goes on, right? 
Right. Well, <laughs> yeah, I think the, na the nature yeah. of um, the higher intelligence is infinitely loving. But that doesn't mean that our lives here are composed of infinite love. Um, uh, I, th I think I think the problem. I think you're alluding to the problem of evil here. And yeah, uh, yeah. So I, I would just say that. Well, I think the yin can't exist without yang, and so forth. You got to have the good with the bad. Yeah, it's just the way the universe works. Yeah. I mean, do you think that there could... You just said you don't think that it could, but do you think that there's a possibility that we could live in a world that is all good? What, like, what would that be like if everything was good? We wouldn't even know what it is, maybe? It would just be kind of, like, bland or something? I think you can get there if you meditate long enough. To just infinite good, or prayer, any kind. Or of what? Well, that kind of contradicts what that kind of contradicts what you just said, though, with the yin and the yang, right? Because you can't be like infinite, or can you be infinitely happy? I think so. Yes, but the things that will make you infinitely happy are also the things that will make you sad. So sometimes I, I listen to sad music because I enjoy being sad. Sometimes I. I enjoy things that most people would find unenjoyable. So I think there's a certain happiness to be gleaned, certain uh, transcendental beauty to be gleaned in even the darkest recesses of life. Yeah. How do you feel about something like nihilism? Like, um, not in terms of just complete nihilism, where you're just like, nothing matters at all, but nihilism in terms of like, because I've noticed that I've got, as I've gotten older, things have mattered a little bit less to me. And when things matter a little bit less, I don't get as emotionally outraged by things, you know, yeah. um, both ways, I guess. But I'm kind of in a state of somewhat, um, I definitely would not ever say that I'm Zen, but I'm more relaxed, I guess, more a little bit more happy than I was maybe a little bit more even killed. And I think a lot of it has to do with nihilism in the sense that like, if nothing matters, then why should I worry about everything? You know what I mean? Or do you think that's almost kind of like a bad viewpoint? But I mean, scientifically, like it's like by what we were just talking about with consciousness and science, if you look at things scientifically, like nothing kind of does matter, right? I mean, well, no, science doesn't tell you if things matter or not. That's a subjective judgment. But I mean, I don't mean that like in a negative way. Like, I'm, like not, the, I'm not, I'm not personally trying to say nothing matters, but like, I mean it more in a way of like, um, nothing matters in the sense that like, I shouldn't get angry if somebody cuts me off or like, I shouldn't get mad because I, I got an F on that test. I shouldn't oh. get mad if this podcast yeah. goes bad. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter in the long run. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, yeah. I, I, would, I would question the existence 
of the one who gets mad, but that, that's a different topic. What do you mean by that? I mean that uh, there is no evidence of a separate self apart from everything in nature. So the idea of you getting mad at nature is just, uh, it's, a, it's an action arising on behalf of a separate self. And I don't find any evidence for a separate self. I'm still kind of confused by that. Like, um, so you're saying if I get mad, I'm, I'm not really getting mad. It's more like a part of this whole is getting mad. Yeah. So there is no, uh, there is no like separate agent getting mad. It's just getting mad without anybody behind the wheels. It's just getting mad. So you, you just don't believe in the self like at all. Uh, not in the ultimate sense, no. I mean, that in itself almost seems kind of, kind of like nihilistic to me because it's like if I'm, if I'm not somebody, then what do I matter, right? I mean, what what do you mean? What do you matter? Who are you? Well, that's kind of what I mean, like if I don't even know who I am or what I am, or I don't even think I am anything, it almost kind of seems like a... No, uh, I do think you are something. It's just what you are can't be captured in the notion of self, and I don't think it can be captured by the word I or you. And I think those are uh, harmful concepts that um, uh, cause one to feel... Uh, separate and fearful, uh, treating nature as another. Uh, so you I, believe you believe wholly that we are all one. Everything is one. Uh, at the ultimate level, uh, I think we are all parts of the same consciousness. Yes. So, like when we go to war or whatever—not we, but you know, Ukraine, Russia, whatever—and when there's a war and they're killing each other, like they're literally just kind of killing themselves yeah. to a certain extent yeah 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 and do you believe that like me and you are like one in the same i think so yes um there is a verse in the quran and i'm paraphrasing here but it goes like um if if you, if you kill a single person it is as if you have killed uh, the entirety of mankind. Hmm. Wow. Um, so I think all, all religions point to the idea of us being one. And then um, also the last guy who was on was saying that he, I forgot the guy's name that he mentioned. I keep forgetting everybody's fucking name, but he was saying how that guy came to the conclusion that all religions had the same story, which is like a hero's journey type thing. Do you know what I'm talking about with that? Uh, not really. But he basically was saying like the guy's theory was that like all 
all religions have the same story, one same story, which is a hero's journey, which is a basically the, you know, the guy goes out into the world or whatever. I forgot exactly what it is, but it's like basically just like a hero's journey. Basically, it's similar to what you're saying in the sense that like all religions have kind of like not the same beliefs, but like the same similar principles, I guess. Yeah, the same source, I, I, I would say. The same source being literal source, like the literal same like writer. No, not the uh, writer. Just this the 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 teachings from the religions. I think uh, they come from the same source, the same infinite intelligence. Oh, uh, okay, okay. So you literally do think that the same, the one intelligent being is yeah, but of course, some God at least is uh, giving out the information. Yeah, but like, like uh, some of the religions have obviously been culturally distorted and so forth. All the religions, what? Uh, some of them have obviously been uh, distorted by the passage of time, and cultural expectations, and even interpretations of uh, certain passages. Yeah, but do you think there's any like proof to the fact that like one source, one God? Well, gave all the religions their information i don't think there's proof but I, I do find it fascinating how they all basically uh when you read between the lines they all basically talk about the same thing i find that fascinating yeah all right i don't know how how long you want to go but um oh uh, I'm, I'm down to go for um an hour more if that's what you want oh wow okay um We'll see where it goes, but um, yeah, so the next thing I want to get into is um, is do you believe like in, you know, Sam Harris, obviously, right? Yeah. Yeah, do you believe in um, I know it's not, I, I don't think it's only his viewpoint, but his view on uh, no, like us having no free will, do you believe in that? Yeah, I would I would say that. Uh, well, uh, I think your environment affects you a lot. Um, genetics, um, and w when I introspect, I don't seem to choose my own thoughts. My thoughts come to me. I don't seem to choose them. I have no recollection of choosing them. So I wouldn't say that I, as an individual agent, have free will. Okay, so isn't that also kind of seem somewhat somewhat nihilistic and somewhat um, negative that like you don't have any control over your life like at all? I think the idea of control uh, uh, is incredibly bleak. I think the idea of a, a little tiny ego trying to control a vast and infinite universe is incredibly depressing and it's a burden <laughs> yeah. it's a heavy burden that nobody in, in the world can ever carry so I, I think i think surrender surrender is the greatest release uh, that's what that's what uh, islam literally translates to by the way it just means surrender in arabic 
surrender to, to God. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's true. But at the same time, I wouldn't necessarily say, and once again, I'm play, just playing the devil's advocate here, but um, I wouldn't necessarily say that, like, your decisions control the whole universe, but you can, the idea that you can make decisions to make your life better or worse is somewhat of a, um, like, uh, what's the word? Like, kind of um, maybe positive viewpoint, I guess. Um, right. I mean, not for me. Uh, like, thinking that I'm separate and, and uh, thinking that I have, you know, uh, soul control, uh, soul volition over my decisions has brought me nothing but, you know, despair. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so many regrets, uh, so many uh, purported failures and so forth. And why, why am I like this? And yeah, it's, it's not, it's not exactly very pretty. I think, I think uh, the depression and anxiety crisis is, is probably maybe caused by this idea of the ego having free will, at least partially. Yeah. And, um, Ooh. um, it's late here. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little tired, but, um, Oh, if you want to wrap this up, uh, I don't mind. Okay. Probably within the next like 10 minutes or so, but, um, I wanted to, yeah, go over it a little bit more, but um, yeah. So as far as the free will thing goes, um, but like one thing that I, I I find that like somebody like Sam Harris like contradicts himself. He'll say like, um, like when he was on. I, I hate to keep referencing Joe Rogan too, but when he was on Joe Rogan, he kept say he was saying Joe Rogan was like basically saying like, okay, so if you have no free will, then you don't have like the will to go or not you don't have the choice or whatever to go to the gym and like get into shape because whatever's going to happen is going to happen anyways and sam harris kind of was like oh no like you still can go better yourself but it's like it doesn't really seem to make sense that like if we have no free will then can i really make any decision to go better myself or is it just going to happen or not kind of thing you know what i mean it, it just depends on what you identify as you. So, like, um, well, if you uh, do you identify with the thought, let me go better myself. If you identify with that thought, then yes, you have free will. But did you really choose to have that thought? Or did the thought just pop out of nowhere? I don't remember choosing any of my thoughts. They just come. So, I don't know. Where do you think they come from? I have no, no idea. <laughs> well, I mean, do you think that you could, like, explain it in just a matter of evolution? Like, it's like evolution has been happening for forever or whatever and it's kind of gotten to the point now where your one thought has led to another to another to another to where yeah uh, i mean uh surely there's a uh, there's a there's a deterministic causal uh chain of events because we can 
we can track like the physical activity happening in our brains and we can predict at least theoretically we can predict what thoughts you're going to have next if we just track the physical activity so yeah can we are we actually at a point to where we can predict the thoughts um there were some uh, neuroscience experiments that seem to indicate that uh, uh, subjects actually uh, do stuff before they're aware of doing stuff. So they already make the decision before reflecting on the decision. Yeah. So speaking of that, like to to go to like tech or whatever, um, AI tech all that type of stuff. Do you think we're ever going to get to a point with like, did you, did you see that show devs by any chance? Uh, no, there's a show called devs that you probably saw X X machina, right? Sorry. Did you ever see X machina or X machina? Uh, no, that's like a popular one. Like it's you, have you heard of it? Yeah. Okay, so you know what it's about, kind of, right? Uh, no, really, no. Well, basically, the, it doesn't really matter what that one is, but they're both based on like AI and stuff. But like the director of that made a show called Devs that was like okay, but basically, it's about this big tech company that creates this. I guess you can call it like a superhuman AI or some sort of massive computer that is able to predict. Not only, I think, predict the future. Well, yeah, it does predict the future, but it also is able to kind of show us the past. Do you think we're going in a situation with tech where we will be able to kind of figure things out just because of the fact that, like, computers and AR are eventually going to just get so smart? Um, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm not, I'm not really... A well read on artificial intelligence. I think I think the hardware is there. Uh, the hardware is always continually improving. There's a, what's it called? Um, computational so power. Like software? Um, no, there's a law that computational power doubles every 18 months, I believe. But the, the I don't think the software is there yet for anything remotely close well not yet but maybe in like a thousand years or whatever yeah but uh i'm just uh speaking out of my ass here i, I don't know really yeah yeah you don't you don't know too much about tech okay well we we talked a little bit before about like the the um um i'm forgetting his name again but um the dude who wrote like the singularity is near. Um, Sorry, he was on Lex Freeman recently. We are uh, Kurzweil, Ray Kurzweil. We've talked about oh, him a little bit before. Yeah. I think it was off the podcast. Yeah, but like with the singularity and stuff. Do you know anything about that type of stuff, or do you just not know about tech much at all? Um. Yeah. Um. Well, I, I used to be obsessed with cryonics when I was a kid because I was yeah uh, afraid of death. Um, I've looked into it uh, quite extensively, and I don't think 
I don't think it's going to work out, at least not, uh, not in this generation. At least under the materialist model, it won't work out because there's uh, the connections and the patterns of neural information are going to going to be lost by the uh, pre preservation process. <clears throat> uh, so, yeah, at this point, I, I think it's, uh, it's probably just a bunch of fantasies. I don't mean to be rude, but yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, we, we kind of covered this before off the podcast, but maybe eventually. But um, I guess I'll just wrap it up here with a random question. How, what, what are your thoughts on, like, Elon Musk? And, you know, he's, I don't know if you, I'm assuming you probably know he's in the news, you know, for taking over Twitter. Seems like a dickhead. Yeah, you don't, you don't like him? No. No. So are you are you not much of a capitalist then? Uh, I am a capitalist, I guess, but like, um, I just don't like it. Uh, I just don't like America's style of capitalism. Uh, you know, like I think there needs to be a minimum of social pro programs available readily readily available to everybody at affordable cost and i don't see that in america yeah is it like that out in saudi arabia no uh no i think uh, we have uh, tons of government programs available to us and i'm very grateful for that oh okay, okay. so you guys do have you guys yeah. do have like a good system going on yeah it's yeah. weird because in america you would think that we're to a point here with like, I don't even know how to say it, but like with, with politics or whatever, not politics, but like with, um, um, just like the way things are going in terms of progressivism or whatever you want to call it, like where I would think that, and we have so much money here and stuff that like, we would kind of like have those things. And it's like, we don't, and it's sad. And it's like, the only thing that I can think of is we have a bunch of people here who think that like forcing people to like work their asses off, you know, just to survive is like a good thing. But it's like, I don't know why we haven't gotten to the point yet where we're just kind of almost on like cruise control, you know? Yeah. It's a, it seems like a weird cultural thing of wanting to torture people for no reason. Yeah. It's, I don't understand it. I don't get it. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So are there, any, uh, is there anything else you want to talk about in terms of consciousness? But I know we kind of maybe kind of got off of it. I feel like physics is kind of somewhat related to consciousness, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Physics so if there's anything. Physics is a science of perception. What do you mean by that? What, what physics studies is perception, the things we perceive. So it's going to be inextricably linked to consciousness. Oh, okay. Because, like, when you look at the moon or whatever, it's like that has to be linked to consciousness because we see it. Yeah, it's a perception. Yeah. It's still just so weird to me that, like, you don't believe... I still don't even... I still don't even 
I still can't even wrap my head around it, but like just the fact that like you don't even like you don't believe like the moon is there, right? I believe that there is something there when I don't look. It just doesn't look like the moon. Yeah, well, that makes sense to me. Like the Donald Hoffman yeah. thing where like, but like, what do you think it is? It's just like a. It's a, it's a mental, mental state. That's so, I, I just can't wrap my head around that. Like it just doesn't, like it like literally doesn't make sense to me that like the moon is a mental state. Yeah, just like you have your own mental states. Uh, uh, the idealist position is that nature uh, has as uh, a, a universal mind with mental states. Man, that's so wild. Um, all right, so we'll we'll I'll wrap it up here with um, well, first a couple more. A couple more questions. Sorry, okay. man. I'm really, I'm really like losing it here. It's, it's two a.m. here. Um, so one last question is, how do you? I've mentioned Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris. Those are the two main guys that I know about that I guess you can consider philosophers. What do you think about those two, and why do you think they're so famous? And do you think they're really all that intelligent okay um <laughs> so for peterson i like his stuff on jung and religion uh and consciousness but i i don't like his other stuff you know like the social stuff and uh I don't really find him profound. I think he's just a regular, regular old guy. Uh, as for Harris, I'm conflicted about Harris because it seems clear to me that he doesn't understand what idealism is. Uh, like when he was asked <laughs> about it by Lex Friedman. Like me? Uh, no, I think you might understand idealism better. Uh, <laughs> okay, thank you. When he was asked about it by Lex Friedman, he he said <laughs> that idealism can't be true because the world can't be inside our heads or something of that kind. Uh, and that's just a total strong end of idealism because idealism doesn't say that the world is inside our heads. Theism says that our heads are inside the world, and uh, there is a world outside of our heads, uh, outside of our personal minds. It's just, it's just also mental. Uh, so, yeah, Harris doesn't seem to understand much about idealism, but I like that he's open. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. I like that he's open to psi phenomena. He seems to genuinely be open to that. Which is surprising. And what is also, that sci? What is that sci phenomena? Yeah, like precognitive dreams, telepathy. Uh, you know, he doesn't necessarily he doesn't necessarily believe in it though, right? No, but he thinks the data is good. He thinks the data is convincing. There's a lot of data on it. It's just that most people don't look at it. Um, is there though? I mean, yeah, 
like Rupert Sheldrake studies on dogs and so forth. I was going to ask you about him, yeah. Oh, you've heard about him? Yeah, I saw him in Joe, Joe Rogan. <laughs> One thing I'll say about Joe Rogan is that I'm not a huge fan of him per se. Like, I don't hate him. I don't love him. But he has had a lot of good, interesting guests on that I think have been exposed because of him, you know? Such mm-hmm. as, well, Rupert Sheldrick hasn't gotten huge, but like, Honestly, I think Jordan Peterson said, I honestly think most of those guys have gotten big because of Joe Rogan. Like Jordan Peterson, Sam Harris, um, not only because of, but part of Lex Friedman, you know? Um, yeah, but anyways, sorry. Um, go ahead. Uh, yeah, so where was I last... Oh, you mentioned well. You were talking about Rupert Sheldrake with the whole yeah, yeah. Uh, so t- think, telepathy and stuff. Yeah, I think Harris um, Harris is open minded towards Sly, which I think is cool, and I, and he's also open minded towards um, towards uh, alternative conceptions of consciousness. He doesn't seem to be a materialist; seems to be a metaphysical agnostic, or leaning towards panpsychism. Which is nice, but other than that, I, I don't really find him a profound thinker. Uh, he just seems like a regular guy. He yeah. has a very, he has a very, uh, very um, a charismatic way of speaking. I'll give him that, but not so much on the substance. I don't think. Yeah, I was just gonna ask why do you, I was or uh, yeah, I was gonna ask why do you think both those guys are so famous, and it's probably because of the way they speak, right? They're very good speakers. I mean, obviously, like you said, Jordan Peterson says a bunch of stuff that people don't understand, but <laughs> I think it kind of makes them sound smart, I guess. Right. And then what about Lex Friedman? Just like Hegel. What's um, up? Just like Hegel. Is that Nobody like really Robert Hegel or what's his name? Uh, well, I forgot his first name, but Hegel, the famous uh, German philosopher. Uh, I don't think anybody really understands him. It's just, it's just he sounds smart. Anyway. Yeah. And then what about Lex Friedman? Lex Friedman, I like him. He seems like a smart and open-minded guy yeah and he seems um, compassionate as well which i which he I seems like. what he seems compassionate which i like very much i mean the way he treated yeah. was kind yeah what are, what are your thoughts speaking of kanye i'm gonna throw your curveball here what, what are your thoughts on kanye uh i think the way everybody is jumping on him is unfair he's clearly in a manic episode he's clearly dealing with a horrible mental illness and the fact that people are treating him as if he was a rational agent is just seems incredibly stupid to me. Why would why would people treat him like that? He needs help not to be advertised on live television podcasts. Yeah. I think some people's take from Lex Friedman, even though I, I do agree with you that I think that he is a compassionate guy and um some people's take on him is that he is um he even even he kind of probably exploited Kanye by even having him on, even though he even right. though he did a good job with him. 
it's probably not a good idea to like bring him on. I think that he could he could counter by saying like, oh well, I wanted him to share his viewpoint, but yeah, he's in the middle of a manic episode, so That's yeah, 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 not a good idea. Yeah, and then um, what a uh, this is this is go this is getting so bad, man. I'm just starting to ask you about names now. But what 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 about Ben Shapiro? Well, people tell me that I sound like him, <laughs> but other than that, I don't think you do. From you don't sound like him to me here. Thank you, but yeah, yeah, I, I don't like him very much. No, yeah, it seems like uh, he doesn't seem to think about anything he says. Yeah, it, just style, no substance. I think I just find these people so in, entertaining for some reason because it's exactly that. Like they don't really seem all that great, but for some reason they're like really popular. And it's just like, I guess they're all good talkers kind of, you know, mm-hmm. but um, anyways, yeah. So I want to, yeah, I'll, I'll wrap things up unless there's anything else more you want to say on consciousness or anything else. Well, I just wanted to say thank you. You're a very good listener, and I really enjoyed this. No problem. And everything was extremely interesting, and I genuinely wanted to ask all the questions. And you did—you really did do a good job at explaining a lot of like the physics stuff to me, because, and and also the consciousness stuff. Like, I didn't really know. I, I've heard people say idealism and materialism and all that, but like, I just didn't. I don't think I fully understood what they knew, and I or what they meant. And I still am a little confused on it for some reason. I think it's hard to wrap my head around the fact that like this table is like a mental state or whatever. The, like, the table is not a mental state. The universe. Sorry. The universe. Well, you did say the moon, right? Yeah. The, so uh, the boundaries between objects are arbitrary. So I think only the universe is, uh, is, uh, can be treated as one whole system. Okay. And the okay. universe looks like a brain, which is very intuitively mental, I think. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which also kind of for some weird reason leads to the idea of like simulation, but I don't know why. But um anyways, the last the very last question that I want to ask you, is there any good podcasts to listen to for what you're talking about. Um, and then also if there's any good movies or TV shows that you like. Uh, well, I'm actually starting a podcast soon. It's called, uh, Oh damn. It's going to be called the uh, science of the gaps podcast. Uh, it's, uh, it's going to be co-hosted by uh, my friend, uh, Sandy Toronto, who's in, who's had several near-death experiences. And uh, my friend Theo, who comes from a... uh, He's a psychotherapist who comes from a Buddhist background. So we should should be starting that up soon. And we'll be interviewing scientists and philosophers and and, uh, gleaning from what they have learned. Yeah, damn, man. I mean, I was going to say, like, you, you... I was going to say you should start a podcast because the information you have, even though it comes easy to you and it's, it's good information, man. I mean, unless I'm just out of it or something, like not a lot of people know about what you're talking about. And I think that 
it would be good to get it out there more. And it is very interesting. And so you said that your one co-host on it is has had multiple NDEs. Yeah. How they had multiple? Uh, well, she's had died and come back several times. No, but I mean, like, does she have some sort of like, like uh, that? Just seems very strange that someone would almost die multiple times. You know. Well, she's had a very traumatic childhood. It was uh, during her childhood. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, so your podcast, definitely want to check that out when it comes out. And then, and that'll be on like Apple Podcasts and everything or Spotify or whatever. Well, we'll upload it to YouTube. And if people find it interesting, then we might uh, look at other platforms. Okay. Do you guys have those other platforms there? Like the same ones we do? Like Spotify and yeah. Apple. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. And then, yeah, so any other podcasts? Like you mentioned that one guy. I forgot his name already, but... Bernard like, Castro. Bernard, yeah. Him. Yeah. And then are yeah. there any other ones that are good to check out? Talking about what you were talking about? Yeah. Um, if uh, anyone finds what has been said in this conversation. Interesting. I definitely think you should check out the work of Bernardo Castro. Uh, Professor Donald Hoffman is also uh, another good one. Um, well, that's pretty much it when it comes to consciousness only models of reality, at least good ones. I haven't come across any other good philosophers on, on this topic. Yeah. And then because because like, you know, truth is um there, there, is no there, are, definitely, truth. there are definitely older philosophers. Uh well, I was just talking about the modern ones. Schopenhauer and uh, Immanuel Kant are also good reads if you want to understand what I'm talking. Yeah, go on, sorry. Oh no problem. Um what about Nietzsche? Do you do you did, have you ever read any of him? I don't know if he talks about this type of stuff, but I've heard him mention a lot. Frederick Frederick Nietzsche. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Young uh, as well. You, you guys should, should definitely check out Young if you like this. Um, okay. Nietzsche. Um, I don't really... I haven't really read him, no, but I, I, I know... I know of his ideas very generally. Yeah. Okay, and then lastly, I promise, movies and TV shows. Do you have any? I know it's kind of a random one, but a random question, but do you have any movies or TV shows you'd recommend to people? Hmm. You mentioned Maybe. the OA, or we, we both mentioned the OA. I, li I like the film Mr. Nobody. It's pretty cool. That's uh, an interesting one with Jared Leto, right? Yeah. I love it. I also like the film Coraline for some reason, and uh, the, there's a there's a new TV show out called Don't Hug Me I'm Scared. Pretty good. All right, cool. I haven't even heard of that one. I think Coraline's kind of like an animated one, right? 
yeah, claymation. All right, sounds good, man. Thanks for coming on, Panda. And if you ever want to come back on, honestly, I think there's probably still more to talk about. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, man. All right. Thank you. Bye.